Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, welcome to the conversation on the TYT Network. Uh, joining us now is Akili. He is organizer of Black Lives Matter in Los Angeles. Uh, and you can tell that because he's currently at a protest. Uh, so <laughs> thank you for joining us, Akili. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yes. So um, speaking of protests, there was a giant 20,000-person uh, protest for Black Lives Matter on Sunday in Los Angeles. Yes, uh, it was. Yeah. So first thing I want to ask you is, uh, are you re- really encouraged by how much other folks have come out for Black Lives Matter uh, over the last week or so uh, in L.A. And, and other places? And do you think it's it might actually be a turning point? Absolutely. I'm encouraged. And it is a turning point. Uh, The fact that people are chanting defund the police, uh, prosecute, kill a cop, stuff that um, positions we have taken for many years. And now it has become in the popular vernacular. So that's a great thing. Uh, And for many of us who have been working in between the big rallies and and the press events and the rest, this is significant. Yeah, I, I sense a sea change, too. Uh, and I think that, I mean, even the NFL owners came out and said, all right, fine, we'll stop being racist. Uh, so. No, no, they didn't say that. They just said, they said, we temporarily will at least recognize your humanity. That's right. That's right. Um, so, but that's a win in America. <laughs> okay, yes, we, it is. It is. Yes, uh, we need a lot more of those wins. All right. So, but Akili, I wanted to ask you about what defund the police means. Uh, yes. So uh, there's a lot of questions about that. So uh, you're with Black Lives Matter. So tell folks what, what uh, you mean by that. Well, a couple of things. One, we have been, Black Lives Matter for the past five years has been calling for uh, shifting priorities at the city level. Uh, the, the police get over 50% of the general funds. Uh, and they have only been you know, responsible for killing us. And the LAPD, for two years in a row, led the country in, in killing its citizens. It's still in the top five. So we have been advocating for that for many years. But the mayor here decided he wanted to fast track a budget that cut everything else but increased police. And since police have been, uh, in, certainly in our cities and most cities, been the main perpetrators of police violence, we took exception with that, a coalition form, and we challenged it. So we think that we should invest in universal needs like housing, like childcare programs, like mental health programs, and divest from the police because it is the quality of life issues that really make our community safe. It's not more policing. 
So uh, now an issue has arisen uh, about whether it means complete abolition of police or just defunding um, significant percentages of the budget to go to other areas, as you just described. So what's your take on whether it means abolition or not? Well, within Black Lives Matter, many of us are abolitionists. We believe in the abolition of uh, the, the prisons and the police. We're not quite there yet, but many of us believe that. And so how do we get there? By beginning to, for people to see that these bloated city budgets that go, uh, go most of our resources going to control and suppression of a particular people, we can change that. We can redirect that. We can send it in another direction. And that's what defund police is about. Let's start looking at alternatives. Let's redefine safety. Let's look at how we improve the conditions and relationships with each other. Right. So then let's talk about actual priorities in terms of whether it's legislation or executive reform that could be done. Uh, so, you know, I know that no one person uh, speaks for everyone else, obviously, right? But you're an organizer of Black Lives Matter. You have a deep history of fighting for civil rights. Uh, it, it's what you do. And yes. so, uh, so Akili, uh, if, if you had to name uh, a top, you name it, two, three, five proposals uh, that you would want actually changed, what would they be? Well, first of all, I live in a city with the largest uh, uh, homeless population in the country. And over 55% of those people who are homeless are black. So I would start there. I would start taking immediate steps. This is an emergency. We need to provide housing at all levels for people who are houseless. So I would start there. Another place I would start is, is redirecting how we spend our money at the community level uh, in terms of how do we engage each other? How do we create the trust that we need? And how do we deal with the, with the issue of social violence in our community? So those are just some of the things. But I would start with housing. We have a tremendously terrible uh, housing issue in Los Angeles. I mean, there's no amount of time, energy, and resource that we can spend right now uh, to, to change that. We need to spend as much time, energy, and resources that we have to deal with that. This is an abomination. In the richest country in the world, we should not have any homeless people. So that's the first thing. Then I would want to work on nutrition to make sure that every person uh, has the kind of nutrition they need. And then I would want to you know, make sure that we look at our education. We need police out of schools. Uh, they don't make our children safe, but they only criminalize our children. So I think those are just some of the things that if you, we did a survey uh, and over 3,000 people filled in the survey and the law enforcement only got five to 7% of the general fund. And so once again, it is a question of divesting from a bloated uh, paramilitary organization to investing in uh, quality of life spending, quality of life issues to make all our communities safe. We know that there are some communities here in Los Angeles that are safe. And if we look at them, we find a couple of things. They're generally wealthy. They generally have access to uh, the, the resources they need in their community, and they tend to make sure that they have access to, to policymakers. So the combination, if, if, if we can do it in one part of the city, we can do it in all of the city. So you're putting uh, forward a, a, a really excellent um, defense of de defund the police, because 
Uh, you're saying, look, if we, if we could spend some of that money on, on helping the homeless, and by the way, not sending cops to deal with homeless folks, but uh, sending people who are trained uh, in that uh, category, if there is some sort of issue that comes up, mental health workers or whatever it might be, uh, that that would be a far more productive way to go. Uh, putting the money into our kids is a more productive way to go. Uh, I totally understand that. When it comes to police reform, uh, to me, uh, and it, like I said before, everybody's got an opinion. This is this is mine, and I've been saying it on the show for at least a decade. Uh, one is get uh, independent prosecutors and investigators that are not local uh, to the police. The local folks are work with the cops every day. They're never going to be objective and fair. Uh, and and then two, I would say is retrain the police and change the culture of policing uh, where they are taught as a matter of course to use overwhelming force. Um, so curious your take on those two things. And if you had to retrain the police, what would you train them to do? The first thing I would do is demilitarize them. They are a paramilitary organization. They are structured like the military. They, they respond like the military. And a military trains its people. It's an us against them to, you know, approach. That's the first thing we need to do. As long as they think they're this special unit of people, they're this special bond that they have, like the military does, then, then they are going to protect themselves, not protect the people. So the first thing I would do is meet and demilitarize the police uh, and take away their command and control structure like it is set up. I would also not just look at retraining because they are trained to control and suppress, control uh, the danger and suppress the threat. That's, and they see black people as a threat all the time. That's how come George Floyd was killed because that officer didn't see his humanity. He saw him as a criminal. And that's how, that's how he, he died. And so that's the other thing that we have to change. That's why demilitarizing them, to keep it from being an us against them kind of thing, we have to protect ourselves against them. That's what you tell your people who are going into war in a foreign land, that we gotta protect each other. We gotta look out for each other's back. That's not what you need on the streets. Uh, engaging with citizens and relationships and residents here. So that would be the first thing. The second thing was I would uh, not give everybody guns. We have too many guns in America as it is. Uh, we kill each other at a, more than folks who are at war kill each other. So I, you know, that would be to demilitarize take away, and take away all that military equipment and most of their guns. Because if they didn't have guns and they thought that, that you know, they, they could diffuse the situation without it, they wouldn't use it. And so those are just some of the things. But one of the, one, one of the things that, you know, once I, you know, many of us are, get, are for abolition. So these are minor steps. Some of us, some people in this country thought that if you put, gave them body cameras and, uh, you know, set up these, in the, these uh, police review things, that that would have, have an impact. It hasn't had one impact at all. And they thought, well, more training. No, that hasn't had an impact because they are a paramilitary organization. And as long as they see us against them, they're going to kill us. Great to have you with us, Achille. Thank you so much for coming out and explaining these issues. Uh, and thank you for going to the protest you're at as well and organizing yes. the protests. So uh, we appreciate you joining us on The Young Turks. Thank you so much. And I look forward to, to, to hearing more from you. And, and always invite me back. I look forward to it. Absolutely. All right.
All right, welcome back to the conversation on the TOT Network. Uh, joining me now is Kim Mangan. She's running in the 23rd District uh, against a Republican you might recognize. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, the leader of the Republicans in the House. Uh, so if Kim wins, uh, that'll be a sea change. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to talk about how she can make that happen right now. So, Kim, welcome to the Young Turks. Thank you. And thank you for having me today. I sure appreciate it, Jake. Uh, no problem. So, uh, Kim, um, you're a United States Air Force veteran. You're a systems engineer. Um, I want to get into why you decided to take out McCarthy in the first place in a second. But first, for people who don't know, 23rd District of California, why is that a bastion for the Republican leader in the House? Um, I think that we haven't really focused on uh, getting rid of him. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's a rural district, um, but it's it's very diverse. So we're one of the things we are focusing on is how diverse it is and getting the message out to um, the entire uh, district. So historically, it has been a Republican, uh, but it now has a great number of Latinos uh, who, who live there to work there. Uh, and so the demographics is changing uh, as it is throughout the country and certainly throughout California. So what do you think is the key to winning that race? Is there a, a better way to activate voters in that area? And will that be enough? Uh, the way that we're the way that we're going to win the race is getting my message out. And my message is I'm an Air Force veteran. I was an aircraft mechanic, a systems engineer, a single working mom. And I know what people are going through. I know what they go through in their everyday lives because I am one of those people. And we're getting the message out. And we're we're really focusing on making sure that people know that they have a choice. Yeah. And so how is the voter registration in the 23rd district for Democrats? Um, the the voter registration, we're working on it. Uh, we have the young Democrats in our group, in our area, and, the, and a, a bunch of progressives in our area that are working on getting out the vote. And uh, we're really focusing on it. Yeah. So for folks uh, who are not that familiar, uh, let's talk about Kevin McCarthy and what's wrong with him. Um, so uh, first of all, I hear you've got a cat hashtag. Uh, what What is the hashtag with your uh, last name? Get that, get that man gone. I can't love that any more than I do. Uh, <laughs> I love the double meaning. Uh, hashtag get that man gone. So one is obviously to get you in office, but... Why do we want that man, uh, Kevin McCarthy, gone? Uh, Kevin McCarthy is completely out of touch with the people that lives in his district. He is focused on special interests and big business and big money, which, based on the um, his voting for the coronavirus relief bills, um, his trying to input into them, uh, it was all focused around big business and making sure they got a share rather than focusing on what the people need. Yeah, let's talk about his reaction to coronavirus a little bit more. Um, so I know the Republicans said no to more unemployment benefits uh, and they have deprioritized giving to the average American citizen. Um, how big an effort did McCarthy lead in directing most of the funding to multinational corporations? Uh, I know he led the GOP efforts. He voted against the last relief bill. Uh, you know, it's so important that we 
that we help the people because our unemployment isn't going to go away. Business not, businesses are not going to open back up immediately if they ever do. And people need help and they need that unemployment. That he's voted against that is appalling. Yeah. So now let's talk about the other uh, giant issue uh, in the country right now, and that's in every district. And that, and that's uh, the issue of George Floyd, the protests, uh, and, and Black Lives Matter. Uh, what is McCarthy's stance uh, on police reform, and what is your stance? My stance is um, what it's been for a number of years. Um, I've been pro I was out protesting previously in previous protests before this one uh, in the last few years for Black Lives Matter. And the reason I was doing that is because I care about the people. You look at the social injustice and you have to protest it. You have to try and do something. Um, that's one of the many reasons that I want to uh, go to Congress. But McCarthy, his, his stance is he has publicly said he supports Trump's law and order. Setting the troops against our citizens, it's just, that's, a, that's horrible. Yeah, and I would say it's un-American, um, uh, probably yes. because it's in our Constitution that you can't do that. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. in all of our laws that you can't do that. And it's against the, the culture of, of America to use the military uh, to police our own citizens and maybe to shoot upon our own citizens, which is part well, of policing sometimes. Yeah, you know, as a veteran, um, I took an oath to support the Constitution and to defend the Constitution. And that's an oath of office that Trump and McCarthy both took. And they're acting as though this mili that the military um, should be set against the citizens, which you're right. It's in the Constitution. And they're trying to break their First Amendment rights, which is a peaceful protest. I mean, there's nothing about this that is constitutional or right. So, Kim, uh, do you know what percentage of the time McCarthy votes with Trump? Ninety. It's either ninety-eight or ninety-nine. <laughs> yeah. uh, very, very bold of him to disagree about one and a half percent of the time. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, so, he is. He's he's what Trump call him. He's uh, oh, this is my Kevin. That's what Trump calls him. Oh. That's I, I think hashtag Mike Kevin might be even more damaging than <laughs> hashtag get that man gone. Uh, but <laughs> so um, look, uh, sometimes what the Republicans do is they'll take the person they think is the most uh, vulnerable within Democratic Party, whether it's leadership or someone else, and they'll pretend that they're running against them rather than the individual that they're running against. But in the case of the Republican Party. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is not alone. It's not just because he's the leader of the Republicans in the House. Uh, almost every candidate that I talk to on the Democratic side says the voting record of the Republicans are 98 or 99 percent with Donald Trump. So in essence, that really does mean you're running against Donald Trump, doesn't it? Because if, if Trump and McCarthy disagree uh, in private, Trump will win that uh, debate every time or nearly every time. And then McCarthy will do as he's told. So aren't you really running against Trump? I am running against I am running against what I see as a breakdown of our democratic system. Um, you're right. McCarthy backs Trump, like I said, 98 percent. I mean, er everything that Trump says, he follows. So it's it's an entire the GOP right now 
is in lockstep with each other um, in violating the Constitution. And, um, you know, and McCarthy is, is leading the pack. And the, the breakdown of our systems with from the EPA laws to um, uh, attorney general, I mean, that 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 is breaking the law. Yeah. So, Kim, you're new to politics. So uh, and, and this is considered a hard race to win. Uh, you've already won the primary, obviously, and you're going up against McCarthy in the general election. So great job already. But why? You were a systems engineer. Why did you decide to get involved in politics? Uh, well, the reason I decided to get involved in politics is really McCarthy's voting record. I looked at what he was voting for when he voted to get rid of the ACA, which was getting rid of you know health insurance for um, millions of people. Um, his just his vote after vote. I mean, when he sided with Trump on on getting making California uh, make have the national laws rather than their own for EPA. So it's just issue after issue, and he's not listening to people. He hasn't had a town hall in 10 years um, to actually face the people. He's, he's not listening to the people, and he doesn't care about us. He cares yeah. about big business and, and uh, special interests. And uh, Do you know if he'll debate you? Um, I haven't heard yet. I would love to debate him. Yeah, well, I'd like to cover that debate. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, so in terms of what motivated you to get involved, you just explained it, uh, obviously, in terms of what how McCarthy had, had gone awry. W what would be your top priorities in policy if you were elected? Um, the top focus right now, um, my focus has changed a little bit in that right now it has to be about the people. Um, as an Air Force veteran, an aircraft mechanic, a, you know, a systems engineer, single working mom, I understand what people are going through out there with the layoffs and the, the COVID-19 effects. And I want to go help the people. And that's where my focus is gonna be at, is, is actually helping the people, because I am one of those people. I am an everyday person that has walked in their shoes, busted knuckles, you know, gone home, made dinner, fallen to bed and get up to it the next day and the next day and the next day. All right. I want to make sure everybody's got your website, uh, so let's put that up. Uh, and we'll put this in the description box. Mangonforcongress.com. It's hard to forget that. Mangonforcongress.com. <laughs> uh, spelled exactly as you would think Mangon is spelled. But anyway, the links will be down below if you're watching later on YouTube or Facebook. So you just click on them. Make sure you find out more. And uh, and obviously, she's going to need a lot of resources to beat Kevin McCarthy, uh, who uh, the reason he serves those business interests is because he gets money from them. <laughs> so he will have yes, plenty of money. he does. Yes, and you got to help Kim yes. out uh, to make sure that she's competitive in this race. And remember, uh, not only would it be amazing to deliver the news that Kevin McCarthy has lost on election night, uh, but she also has the best hashtag in the business. Get that <laughs> man gone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jake, for having me. I sure appreciate it. No problem at all. Kim Mangon. Running in the 23rd District. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.